Welcome to the Working Mama podcast, a show that provides real-world tips, tricks, and advice to all working mamas on how they can have a career, family, and hopefully one day break the glass ceiling. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Working Mama podcast. Have you ever, and I'm sure you have, been on social media, probably Instagram, and actually scrolled through and felt the judgment or the made to feel guilty about your decisions as a working mum? Did you know that you aren't alone? Because recent research by Mum Power is that they've got a scary stat in that 82% of mums feel judged and 65% of mums who feel judged say they are judged by other mums. Yes, it's a really, really scary stat, but also sad that instead of women supporting women, we're actually not lifting each other up. So let's support one another. And that is really goes into the heart about what I am chatting to on this with this week's guest with Christy Nicholas, who is the founder of Mum Power. And she opened Australia's first marketing agency exclusively representing brands Mums Buy. Now, as Australia's most experienced authority in the mum marketing space, she is a speaker, author, podcast host, and entrepreneur with global impact and money can't buy insights and experiences. She is a mum as well, of course, two daughters, and she wants to show them what a big, happy, adventurous life looks like. I hope you really enjoy my chat with Christy. As always, I would really appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review on whatever podcast app you're listening to. And as always, feel free to tag uh, both Christy uh, and also Working Mama on any of the social channels just to let us know if you enjoyed the episode and definitely share it with your friends and family. So let's get into this week's episode. Welcome, Christy. Welcome to the Working Mama podcast. How's your day going so far? It is going fantastic. Thanks, Karina. Thank you very much for having me. I'm very excited. My pleasure. I'm very excited for our chat as well. And so why don't we just get straight into it? How would you best describe yourself? Oh, well, I can describe myself in two ways. Uh, Personally, I am um, a very positive uh, person who loves um, motivating others. I like to, you know, live a fun life according to my values. Uh, And professionally, I guess I could say I am an ambitious individual that is absolutely intent on um, creating a bit of a movement where we really empower brands to recognize and involve um, mum's voice in how they shape their brands. Oh, I can't wait to get into it because women really do have... I guess, hold of the purse strings as, as such around the family, but probably a lot of marketing organisations actually don't consider us, do they? You're absolutely right that mums do control the purse strings. And like if you were to have a look at all the different things that, um, you know, you have in your home, like the whole household um, discretionary spend, on average, like 85% of mums are the ones who decide what, what products they're going to buy for them, for their home, for their kids. So, you know, they're definitely a really important and valuable consumer that, you know, brands have to acknowledge. Um, in terms of if brands are paying attention to them, 
I, th- I, I believe that brands totally recognize that mums um, are the ones who decide what they open their wallets for, and, you know, if, if products are going to enter their home. But I think there's still a lot more work for, um, required from brand marketers in building um, open, honest, two-way relationships with this consumer. Yeah, certainly. And so how did you get to where you are today and what's been your career journey so far? Well, um, I can assure you I did not um, go through high school thinking, oh, one day I want to be, you know, at the helm of a marketing organisation that focuses on mums. Like that was definitely not at all what I thought I was going to be doing. Um, I uh, I used to work in TV. I uh, worked for a high-profile cosmetic company. And then I remember I had you know, got, got picked up a six-month contract for a product in the nursery industry. And I was, I remember thinking to myself, oh, I give myself six months in this space and then I'm out of here. This is not my thing. Um, and I just fell in love. Like I, I just loved this whole industry and I've been stuck here since um, <laughs> in, you know, marketing in this space and representing the um, brands that mums buy. So um yeah, I fell into it unexpectedly. You know, that led me to then start an agency that exclusively represented brands that speak to mums and really um, make us the masters in that space. I really wanted to help brands who speak and sell to mums. I wanted them to be able to fast track relationships and growth in this space. So that's um that's been where I've been at for the past since um 2009 at the helm of Mum Power. Wow. And I guess over those last 13 years, you must have seen, I'm hoping, a bit of a shift in, I guess, attitudes and some of that marketing messages to towards mums. Yes, there's been, it was actually funny that you say that because just today we we're reflecting over the past, you know, decade or even say since um since I started Mum Power, what have been the biggest, most monumental shifts in this space? And um the, you know it comes down to probably three things that have t- definitely shifted the industry and the space. And the first shift that took place that I uh, um I've noticed was the emergence of millennial mums. So once we started to see the rise of millennial mums, buying behavior changed, brand preferences changed, and brands that were typically the leaders, like they used to be the hottest brands for Gen X, they started to lose their footing. So that was like the first big sh- shift that we saw. Then, um, sure, there was there's been a, a little bit of movement in between that time, but then the next biggest shift was the pandemic. Um, that that again changed mum's values and how she bought. And then, you know, a lot of those changes have remained in place. And now we've got it, we are right in the middle of a brand new shift, which is very interesting to see how it's going to transpire. And that, would you believe it is, TikTok is definitely influencing behavior and also how mums engage with brands. Um, So that's an interesting shift because it's influencing other behavior. It's got a lot of other consequences. So yeah, there's definitely been some interesting changes in this space uh, that we've been able to monitor. Yeah, definitely. And one of those things, yeah, 13 years ago, I guess TikTok was never really even thought about even two years ago, TikTok, oh, I don't know how long TikTok's been around now, but that's interesting how that that shift is, but also that rise of social media as well. And, and as what you say, you know, you look at TikTok and I know that you've done some studies recently about how women 
often do feel judged. Um, certainly I know just, just purely and simply being a mum and then it, as you add another layer of that being a working mum, there's so much judgment that can go on that. Have you seen then the influence of social media on some of that research um, that you've done recently and and how are you seeing it, the rise of TikTok in that space? Mm, yeah, a great, great question. So you're right. What, what Mum Power does is we do a lot of market research because we want to stay connected to what Australian mums are thinking and feeling, what's keeping her up on, at night, as well as how she buys and what matters to her and what moves her most. So in that research that you're referring to, yeah, we did two things. Number one, we wanted to have a look at what is influencing mums to buy. And we have seen a shift now because uh, when you look at mum's buying behaviour, for her, when it comes to what sources exposed her to a brand in the first place, it really is social media. That's how she'll discover a brand in the first place. Uh, and that will be a whole mix of um, different touch points, be it, you know, the brand social pages, influencers and other creators or so forth. So that's one thing that we looked at and the role of social media plays. Obviously, that's becoming more and more important part of um, her buying journey because she spends more time online. But then as part of that research, it's so important to, to recognize what a mum is going through because, you know, as a brand who wants to sell to a mum, you will be more effective at selling to and building an, a relationship with that mum when you genuinely understand what she's going through in her life. And so that's why we also wanted to have a look at things like how what other issues she's going through. And what we recognize is that she is feeling judged, like four out of five mums are feeling judgment. And that's quite scary. And then when you look at some of the reasons who's judging her, she's feeling judgment from other mums. That's probably the, the key group there. And the reasons that she's being judged is for things like her parenting and also her appearance. Like that's the reasons of um, how she's feeling judged. And of course, social media plays a role in all that. So that, you know, everything comes together and there's positives and negatives. And it's really sad that when you see actually what you've just said about women are judging other women really what you hope is that women are actually supporting each other to lift each other up because uh, it's a tough world out there instead sometimes and I know even in a corporate sense sometimes you're actually your biggest critic and your person that's actually working against you sometimes sadly can be another woman and I know that I've also experienced this firsthand so what is it um, and is, was there any research about about why women are judging each other and really not instead wanting to support each other? It's really sad what's happening, Karina. Like it was, it was a little bit disheartening when we saw that research because, like, you know, as mums, like there's so much extra pressure that we're dealing with. Like there was another study that had been done about the mother load and how, you know, we go about our days, we're working, we've got careers, we're, you know, we're, we're juggling the kids, but there's still so much more mental pressure that we're dealing with. And then to layer that up with the judgment as well, it was um, quite confronting because, you know, women and, and mums are required to show up in the world, but when they've got these an additional layer, it can really be quite debilitating so the research didn't delve into who's causing judgment and why they're causing judgment it was focused on the effect it was having on that individual 
So what are some of those effects? So if a woman is feeling judgment, what were some of those research findings that you um, discovered about what impact that that has? Well, we know when a mum is feeling judged, it is first and foremost affecting her confidence in herself, which then has a spin-off effect on her self-esteem. And the problem is when when a mum who is already feeling vulnerable and so often you don't always, well, I don't know about you, but I still don't really know what I'm doing all the time <laughs> as a, as a mum. So yeah. when, when your confidence is shattered, when your self-esteem is feeling vulnerable, it makes it um, very difficult to show up in the world, both for yourself and for your family as well. So it, it does have other effects, um, long-term consequences, both for herself and for those around her when she's allowing those feelings of judgment to affect her. Yeah. And so what then have even the market and brands from your experience, are they changing any of their messages to actually then support this and to actually, you know, help with uh, confidence and and a woman's self-esteem as a result of this research? Yes, there's some really good reminders here. And I don't want to say opportunities because it's not an opportunity. It should actually be the norm. If a brand knows this about what mums are going through and how she's thinking and feeling, then the best way for them to hit a nerve with her is to show up in a way that resonates. So if they know that something's affecting her, they can actually talk to that in um, in their marketing. I know in some of the feedback that we got from mums, they felt that where brands could go wrong is when they make them feel guilty for not buying a particular product to address an issue that all kids might be facing. It might be like typical um, age-related issues. And they don't want to be made to feel guilty about it because then that also creates a sense of judgment. Like they're being judged for not buying this product to address something about their kid that is just so totally normal. So what mums were saying is that don't, as brand marketers, they shouldn't make a mum feel guilty about her decisions. So there is opportunities for brands to just um, be open and honest and 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 have a, a good rapport with mums and you know call out some of the stresses that they're going through and um, and talk to that and and give them some information or inspiration that's going to actually make her feel better and and um, move her um, where she to where she wants to go. It's so true. There's, I think, enough, as what you said earlier, pressure put on mums around you need to do this, you need to do that, and you just, it's overwhelming. And then add, you know, trying to have a career on top of it, it's it's definitely full on, full on. And so you don't need brands to have that extra judgment when already you're getting enough judgment from, from those around you and often those close to you as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And um, it's so exciting to see brands be open you know, talk to mums like people and just foster a bit more of a relationship with her and a bit of a a two-way interaction. And what can we do? So this is uh, probably moving a little bit away from a brand perspective, but if we are feeling judged and we are even in not only from a media perspective but even those maybe around us, what can we do to actually either just try and ignore that and, and actually try and not listen to to that noise I put in inverted commas so it doesn't affect our confidence and our self-esteem look um for full disclosure like I'm not a psychologist and I can't give medical advice but what I what what um I've 
think are some helpful tips is to remember the facts. Like I remember, like all of us, we've all got a story where we felt judgment. And I remember when I, it was the early days of the business. And of course, you know, there's a lot of hours that goes into building a business. And I remember somebody close to me saying that, you know, I might affect my kids' developmental uh, milestones, their feelings of being loved because I was working. And that did shatter me for a second because I thought, oh, no, I don't want to be causing harm. And I, I did feel a little bit judged. And I know what worked for me was I did have to remember the facts. So that's probably the first thing that you can do is remember the facts. And those facts might be that hanging a tick. I know when I show up with my kids, I'm fully engaged or, you know, we've got a habit that, you know, for 45 minutes at this time of the day and that time of the day, it's just us or so forth. So I like to go back to the facts, hanging a tick. If, if you feel judgment, where is there proof that this is not the case? So that's one thing that I would recommend. Um, and then I would also deflect and reflect uh, because sometimes you, you do have to step away from that situation rather than, um, reacting to that emotionally charged conversation um, and then reflect because this might also be a little bit you know a bit of a, a reality check and while you might initially feel judgment for something and in some instances it could be uncalled for but in other instances maybe there is something constructive that you can take away from it so um, it might not be judgment but there could also be a reality check that oh you know what they're probably right on some things and it's about being able to discern what is not not to be taken personally and affect you and what can you learn from and maybe it is a reflection of something that you could improve on and that doesn't have to be a negative thing either. Yeah, it can it can certainly be certainly there. But and also not everyone knows what's going on behind closed doors. So what works for you may not necessarily work for me, but then everyone, everyone's kids, even emotions day to day vary so much. You know, it's you never know. So yeah, you can you can look through the glass windows. But yeah, it's never like being in the trenches behind the scenes, is it? No, definitely not. I do like, Karina, what you do and what you stand for as well, where, you know, you go in and you support um, small to medium-sized enterprises and give them that guidance and training on how to navigate working with mums and enhancing their transition into the workforce because ultimately working mums are an amazing asset for businesses. And if brands can understand um, some of her life factors and what you know she has to deal with and be able to manage that and also capitalize off the, her amazing skill set, her ability to multitask, her, you know, her, her willingness to go above and beyond, like it can be a really great supportive environment and opportunity for both brands and also for mums as well. Yeah. And I think definitely from a from a mum's perspective, if there's a brand out there that's able to help even just save her sometimes, you know, five, 10 minutes in a day, make her lighten the mental load, even just by a little bit, they will be prepared to spend that money. So uh, yeah, it's definitely a good way to to remind everyone what's, what the opportunities are um, and about, you know, from a marketing perspective, always what's the problem and how, how they can help. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, either if they're selling to a mother or if they want mums to work for them in yeah. their organisation. Like there's many ways that we can look at um, relationships with mums. Oh, definitely, definitely. And I actually recently uh, in researching for this podcast, I found this quote from from a Forbes article and it said, women who plan to return to work after maternity leave brace themselves for bumps along the road. What they fail to consider is the premium our culture places on perfection at home and work. What also part of the research that you've done, what influence do you think that the role of society has on working mums that leads to some of this judgment? And I guess there's that, you know, you're damned if you do work, you're damned if you don't work. And there is that judgment. But also when I think about this topic sometimes, I also think it's about what we've, you know, our mental models, our role models of what we've seen. And it is slowly changing but that's also I guess because even now you're getting more women that are working just to change that so is some of that judgment you're also seeing even um, at a society level as well as in in communities oh 100% Karina I feel like while we have moved forward in some ways there is still so much um, work to be done here I believe, and also not just what I believe, it's from the research that's come through and the interviews that we've had with our mum influencers and our mum shoppers, and they say that they still have pressure to show up at work, uh, work like they don't have kids and, um, you know, and enjoy their kids like they don't have to yeah. work. Like um, that, that, that quote still runs true and it's really sad that it, it, it is still happening and I feel like a lot more has to happen to um, normalise what we're all experiencing, show that diversity that, you know, this is life, like we, we, we can't hide it, like yeah. it's life um, and I would love to see more honesty but I'm, I even think about, you know, myself as a business owner and I've been in business for over a decade and I look up to other business leaders, like female business leaders who are like heads off big corporations or, you know, they run their own businesses. And a lot of them don't have the hat of like a mumpreneur and they might not be a mumpreneur because they might be a career mum or, uh, or so forth. But I would love to see these highly respected, um, big female, high-profile leaders talk about these challenges that they've faced because I think I, I haven't heard enough of that for be, to have the willingness to, to talk, the encouragement to, to um, be more open as well. I'm, I'm open, I'm happy to discuss it, but my goodness, it would make a difference if my role models and more of them would also talk about the, um, the challenges of, of having a family and chasing your career aspirations and, and, um, and showing up in the world in that way. That's what I think would be help, helpful um, to normalise what mums go through. Yeah, I remember seeing uh, at the start of this year a LinkedIn post from the CEO of IAG, the insurance company, and it was a really good post in that it was she's uh, walking her kids to school on the first day of school for the year and there, there was two paragraphs and I distinctly remember this post and the first paragraph was about her personal experience and about how she's really happy to you know walk her kids to school on the first day and then the second paragraph was actually referencing IAG's flexible workplace policies and about how she's really walking the talk for it 
for me, like this is still almost 12 months later, I still think about that post. And it's one of those things to exactly to your point that it's great that they can do that. And then by her putting that on LinkedIn, being very public about it, you saw employees also writing and responding saying, thank you so much. And as much as sometimes leaders do say, you know, oh, look, you're empowered to do it. They won't necessarily do it in my experience until someone else, a leader has actually walked the talk, um, you know, and and done it before them. So it's certainly things like, you know, you're seeing more and more dads take on parental leave, but it's because senior males are starting to take that leave. So, yeah, I think it's so true. The more that we can see women, um, particularly in some of those senior leadership positions, talk about it, being open about it and having the confidence as well. And I guess it comes back to, you know, really the heart of what we're talking about today. Some of that judgment, they probably are keeping it a little bit about themselves because they don't want to get judged by their male peers and and probably even some of their employees. Oh, she's a mom and, and things. But you, hopefully those people realize she's actually probably smashing it out of the park and uh, and doing a really good job. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, uh, it's just a, a reflection of so much more that could shift in the in the future, like as our kids get older as well and n- have the females talk about their perspective but also the fathers as well talk about, you know, what life is like in senior world with their kids because as more dads are becoming more hands-on, it's more accepted and the trends are slowly shifting you know, where dads are taking that time off to care for the kids, it will be great to see more of their experiences shared as well because it, that that is life. And, um, you know, we've got our values have, have had to, we've had to reflect on our values with what's happened with a pandemic and what's important to us. And if we know that family life um, and beautiful relationships and memories with our families are important to us, like what role does it play in our everyday life? Exactly. And going back to what you said earlier about the rise and influence of TikTok, what can we, you know, in terms of social media and I guess the comparisonitis about someone on say Instagram or TikTok or something like that, what way can we manage that in ourselves so we don't, you know, because well, it's probably about confidence, oh, my goodness, I'm not looking amazing like this person is on these influences are on on social media and, and even on our own mental models about probably even our own personal judgment of ourselves. So how can we, how can we manage that? Um, you have control over that, which is great because you can, you know, make the conscious effort to follow people who you relate to for, you know, for different reasons. Some of them are going to be aspirational and some of them are going to be relatable. And if something feels a little bit off or it's not in line with what makes you feel good, well, at least you have that control to move forward. But the interesting part of what the research shows is, um, you know, a mum's, still love Instagram. Like Instagram is like pretty much their number one. And it is a little bit more curated. It is a bit more aspirational. They enjoy that. But what's happening with them going on TikTok is that they are loving the the rawness and it is so much more unfiltered and a lot more unscripted. 
And as a result, the research shows that mums are dropping their guard down as well. Like they feel that they can relate and relax a little bit more, whereas Instagram, there's still just something that keeps them a little bit on edge um, with what they're about to discover as well. So, you know, to answer your question about how you can navigate it is, um, you know, you've you've got the the controls that you can choose to, to have that diverse, you can choose who you follow. But what would be helpful is, with with what's you know the influence that TikTok's having on that raw unscripted type content that will flow through in many other ways as well and everything's going to become a lot more raw and unscripted and even less curated so that that might have a consequence I mean still early days none of us know truly what the future will hold of social media and the effect it will have on society but you'd like to think that the rise of the the rawness and more natural unscripted content will mean that there's more behind the scenes showing people in real life rather than just like the good curated side of life as well it's good to see that and hear that rawness because I think yeah definitely um that's that can sometimes be there that comparison artists and oh my goodness I don't have that amazing handbag or I don't have you know my kids are screaming in the background and who actually knows so having that relatability um I think is also uh really important as well Human, the human side of everything is critical um, for us as consumers these days. We want to see real stuff. We want to see behind the scenes. We want everything to feel a lot more natural and authentic. That's definitely something that has ha, has come up in in the research, and that's across everything. I mean, you can see this through all the way through to LinkedIn, and and you have a look at the algorithms when you post something very branded or salesy. The numbers are not as high as when you talk about a failure or a challenge or something heartfelt, which is a lot more human and open and honest. So we're seeing that rawness across different platforms. Yeah, I think that's certainly that no like and trust factor as what they say. And, and certainly that relatability, I think, is is certainly there. And as what you say is, you know, as people are dropping their guards, hopefully there is that is less judgment and, and what we expect of each other and, and certainly what you know, we're doing the best we can and just staying in our path and doing what's best for us and our families is is really at the end of the day what's most important. Do you have anything else just to add of about what the impacts of the research that you've done or about, you know, not feeling, you know, helping people not feel so judged or, or what you'd uh, even what you'd love to see change and improve even if you had that crystal ball in the next three to five years? Oh, look, because I'm a little bit older and hopefully a bit wiser and my kids are a fraction older, I was thinking I wish I I wish I had the confidence in myself as a person that I have now that I had in the early days. Like, you know, wisdom comes in with hindsight, like and you go through the messy side of life and it's not to say that you're confident and you know everything, but you just feel a little bit more comfortable in your own skin so the likelihood of judgment doesn't affect you as much because you know what's important to you and you know what values um matter for for yourself and everybody's values are different so if there was only one thing that I could do I just wish that more younger mums uh could feel a bit more confident in themselves and recognize and appreciate and value how they're showing up in the world and the decisions that they're making so that they are less affected by um, anything that 
that might make them feel like they're being judged. So for me, that's what it would come down to. I, I would love to see more and more people feel more confident in their own skin um, so that they can be their best selves. Well said. I absolutely love it. So, so good. <laughs> oh, well done. Uh, now, Christy, what do you do to fill your cup? Oh, look, for me, uh, Karina, what's super important to me, probably two things, and that is um, I've got like total health rituals. So for me, health is not just um, doing exercise. It is my mental health, spiritual health, physical health, and I've got rituals in place throughout the day to address that because it's important to me. It makes me feel rested, energized, happy, and um feeling able to show up in the world. So that to me fills up my cup, taking care of my total health um, in small little ways. It doesn't have to be much. And also having a balance in life because, you know, running a business is very intense and, you know, it is basically having like another child. I live and breathe the business. So for me, it's it's critical to have balance, to have friendships, to have beautiful relationships, to have interests outside of work. Um, because if I didn't have balance, I actually wouldn't be able to show up properly in the business either. So they're the two fundamentals that fill my cup. What about you, Karina? I want to know how do you fill your cup? Me, I fill my cup definitely by actually speaking with, you know, engaging with others because I get a lot of energy from, from you know, thing, like doing podcasts like this. I will get off and, and, and actually feel like a, you know, million dollars because I love chatting with people and, and finding out their stories. But for me, a big way of filling my cup is actually exercise. And uh, yeah, like this morning, I hadn't been for a run for a couple of weeks. So I actually went for a run this morning really before I, you know, one of the beauties of working from home. So I I love to, yeah, be active. And uh, then also at times just chilling out on the couch with hubby with a nice glass of wine and that's, yeah, so just recharging in different ways. And I think similar to you, it doesn't need to sometimes be the big things, uh, but it's just those little those little bits that you can fill a cup, even sometimes like a good cup of coffee. That just, that's all I need for the day and I'm happy. I hear you. And I think that's so important, you know, perhaps for other mums listening that, self-care and filling your cup doesn't mean you have to spend the whole day doing things it could be like for me my meditations are non-negotiable and that's a seven minute thing but that helps me clear my thoughts and um have be focused or like what you're saying you know your run you could do a short run for 20 minutes and that will like liven you up for the day you're on fire so it's probably figuring out what small things that will have the biggest impact on you and your day. Oh, so true. So true. And it's sometimes if you can't do one thing, you got to find something that does light you up that you can, okay, this is for me and then I'm happy with it. So yeah, even if it's just a hot cup of coffee, enjoying lunch or something, um, it can make such a big difference. So absolutely. Now, Christy, how can people find out more about you and your business? Yeah, for sure. Thank you for that opportunity. Uh, well, anybody listening who wants to, you know, chat with me personally, they're most welcome to um, look me up on LinkedIn, Christy Nicholas. Uh, and if they want to follow the Mum Power Network, we're on Instagram on mumpower underscore au or our website mumpower.com.au. 
Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for today's chat. I've loved it. And hopefully after this, you take what Christy said, particularly at the end, about actually having the confidence and, and cutting out that noise, but believing in and backing in yourself. So if you are feeling judged or you're judging yourself in some shape or form, hopefully uh, you've got a few tips and strategies out of today's chat. Thanks very much, Karina, for um, having me on the show today. I feel very fortunate and um, grateful that I got to meet you. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Working Mama podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast catch-up. I invite you also to join the Working Mama community on Facebook and join in the conversation with other like-minded working mums. Please also feel free to contact me on any of the Working Mama social channels. Remember, Mama is M-U-M-M-A or website www.workingmama.com.au. I would appreciate you to share this podcast with friends and colleagues, especially those that are parents managing the juggle. And I would really appreciate if you had to take the time out to leave a review of the podcast. I'll be giving a shout out to select people that do so. So stay listening and you might be one of them. Thank you and see you next time. Have a great week.